Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, today is the show that I've been <laughs> dreading slash uh, looking forward to for the last, I don't know, year, three years. The Dallas Cowboys have signed Ezekiel Elliott to a long-term extension. How do you feel? How does your gut tell you to feel this morning? Because I'm sure you woke up and you saw the news. What did you think? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I, you act like I didn't almost spend all night refreshing to see if it had been done, you know, <laughs> up until I went That's to sleep, true. too. You know, the thing is, is that it, I expect, like I said, I expected all of the... I, I definitely expected him to be in before game one. I definitely expected that there would uh, be a contract of some sort. It, it happened a couple days later than I thought it would because of, I think, some things that happened on Sunday. But, yeah, I feel great. You know, like, I'm, I'm glad that he's in here. I'm glad that uh, our kind of last obstacle. What I'm mostly thrilled about is, like, the fact is, okay, he's in. That's done. And now let's go play some football, man. Like, because like yeah, this team is that's, that's the biggest the thing, team. Right? Yeah. Now it's like okay, we got everybody. We're at full strength. We're feeling good about this team. All the negativity around this team is basically kind of subsided. And now we're taking a look at what's the, the product that's on the field. And the product on the field is something to be excited about. Right. So I'm going to give credit to you because you know for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this, Elliot. Uh, extension, and you've been one that's been saying the whole time. You think it gets done before week one? You think Elliott's on the field? He doesn't need two weeks of practice, like running back Gary Brown said. And Jerry Jones this morning at his press conference basically said he knows our scheme, he knows our plays. He's going to be fre- or he's he's in shape. He's going to be able to handle twenty twenty five snaps a game. I, I think Garrett's lying there. By the way, I think. If this game is close at all, you're going to see Elliott approach 50 snaps rather than 20 snaps. Uh, but listen, we, you kind of nailed it. You, you knew when he was going to come in. You knew that deadline spur action. So I'm giving credit to you. Let's go ahead and talk about the deal. Yeah, no problem. Let's talk about the deal. Uh, we haven't had all the numbers come out yet, but the, the big number is six years, I believe, $90 million. Um, the total length of the deal is now eight years. The Cowboys have control over him uh, through the 2027 season. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the deal being that long, Landon? Well, it's you know it's a lot of funny money, and, and we still haven't gotten the kind of full length of you know the, the breakdown of the deal or anything like that. Uh, Which we will. Yeah, we will. We will. I mean, we just kind of got. Uh, you know the, the the news broke this morning or whatever, so it's 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 really kind of filtering out. He's going to get a whole day of uh, of of, say, of saying this is the fifteen million dollar a year deal. It's the highest paid deal of running backs ever gotten. Blah 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 blah. The I'm going to go ahead and assume that like the specifics are. I mean, what they'll say is that this is the largest extension for uh, an NFL running back in history, and that and that is absolutely true because of the year, because right? because of yeah. The, the the truth is is that this is not a six year extension. This is an eight year deal, one hundred and three million dollars. And if you talk about it that way, one hundred and three divided by eight is under thirteen million dollars a year. Right. Um, and that's kind of close to exactly what you know. If you want to talk about giving credit, that's almost exactly what Stephen Jones suggested he was going to pay them 
when we talked about this way, way, way back in. I don't even remember when that was. It it, it probably was only three or four months ago. Uh, at, I think it was at the Combine, maybe, or something. Mm, uh, but yep. it felt like four years ago at this point. Lyle Collins' contract signed, I assume, was six months ago, right? I, I can't. I mean, this has been the longest week of my life. <laughs> um but I think what you're seeing is that, you know, they. Uh, this is why it's a little frustrating because really this deal came in almost exactly where everyone said it would and, and maybe even under a little bit what we thought it would. Maybe slightly under, Yeah, right? and so I guess my point is is that I, I really – I don't know what necessarily Rocky Arsenault was doing or what – I think that this deal gets done, you know – probably week two of training camp as Zeke shows up. Like, I just oh, yeah, I just don't sure. understand. Uh, like, this doesn't really make – this didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, why they, they, they drug it out. But that's okay. I mean, it ended up being beneficial to both parties sure. because Elliot didn't have to go through a training camp. There wasn't a yeah. chance that he gets injured. Right? That's the thing. You also got to see more Tony Pollard. It's, exactly. Is that it, it ended up being a really beneficial thing because you're right. Like, Paul, I got a ton of snaps. We are excited about him. Zeke wasn't going to take a single preseason snap anyways, I would assume. Um, so what's what's the difference? He's in good shape, it sounds like. Um, you know, and, and, re- and frankly, if he's – ramping up just a step behind the rest of the team is that the worst thing you know like i mean because that means he'll be potentially be a little bit fresher by the time the the end of the season happens because he didn't start the grind of training camp at the same time you know so as long as he got in here before week one and was able to play this was going to be beneficial for the team after week one starts i think you saw the the risk versus reward of this whole situation plummet in the other direction. So, um, I, for both sides, you know, so I think that they, they wanted to get it done and they did. All right. There's a bunch of different directions we can take this. We're going to pause really quickly and we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about that contract. All right, Landon. So the first thing I want to talk about is the overall, the eight years of this deal. Is there any chance that Zeke plays all eight years of this deal? Because that seems kind of unrealistic to me. It's almost, it feels to me, and please tell me if I'm wrong, more of an accounting trick to basically say, hey, here's all this money, all these years stretched out. You're going to average $15 million a year over this course. But really, this is like a two-year extension on top of the two years that you had left on your deal. Does that seem about right? I mean, I know we don't have the official numbers, but if that's what kind of comes out of this, does that make sense? I also, I mean, I think that there could be, I think it could be both. I mean, I, I definitely, what you're saying is completely the reason that the deal is that way. Yes. I mean, it's 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 extended to kind of, like you said, funny money, uh, whatever, however you want to call it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, despite the fact that they wanted to do that, if this, if this deal was still not that backloaded. Like, if it was, because I know that that was part of the issue that Zeke had with some of the structures. He didn't want a fully backloaded deal, right? Um, but I, I think that, you know, it. I, I think there is a possibility just because of who Zeke is, the type of player he is, and uh, his game that, you know, if he maintains a decent level, that he could be the guy that's doing this for, you know, uh, I could I could easily see him having a an Adrian Peterson like long career because he is you know that type of. 
uh, armored up, you know, doesn't get hurt sure. easily type of. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, Adrian had problems with his ACLs and stuff. But Zeke doesn't really hasn't really had that problem, and I'm knocking on wood so everyone can hear that. Um, yep. But I, so I think that there's a possibility that he plays out a good portion of this deal if if he you know maintains a, a good level of uh, of play. I, I just, but I don't think it's likely. I, it's much more likely that the de- the deal was extended out because. You know, they wanted to be able to look for an out. I, I think the thing that cuts his career short is it, the off-field stuff. If something happens off-field and they, you know, they can't afford to carry him because he's indefinitely suspended, uh, you know, sure. that's a different story. But I, I mean, we haven't seen him. We've seen him take a ton of carries. He's, you know, slowed down at points when he's nicked up. But I, I think he's one of these guys who probably could play at a high level for a long time just because of the way he's built. And I've got to believe that the Cowboys have put you know some potential outs in there. Right? Yeah. Uh, probably not until what maybe twenty twenty two. That's probably the first actual out they have. Again, we haven't seen the contract, no. but I'm guessing that the Cowboys kind of realized, hey, you know, when they did this with Demarco Murray, they they mentioned this multiple times that at age twenty six is when you start to see the decline of running backs. Don't be surprised if that kind of factors into when the Cowboys start having these potential outs in Zeke's contract. I, I just think they want to give themselves, you know, you know, a backup plan in case something like what you mentioned happens, or if Elliott starts to decline, or if his speed, you know, starts to fade away. Uh, I think that's something the Cowboys are going to do. Uh, I want to talk about um, the value of paying a running mm. back fifteen million dollars a year because the nerds in me, <laughs> they, we want to know, right? I thought for a couple minutes here that Jerry Jones was embracing his inner nerve when he was kind of talking about that you don't need a rushing champion <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. You don't need this and this and this. He, um, he, he uses you, basically, when you need when, oh, when he, yeah, when they, yeah. when oh, he yeah, needs I, you. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's, that's what it is. He uses us for leverage, uh, and then he just lets us go. That's, it's really, you it's, must it's, feel it's so disgusting, Marcus. <laughs> I do. This is, this is a bad day today. I, I almost tweeted this morning when I first saw the news, just, just wake me up in 2027. Uh, but that's okay. I I, I've made my peace with the deal. I, I'm okay. Um, but I do want to talk about the, the, the overall spending this much money on a single position like running back. I believe the Cowboys have the second most allotted money to running backs just behind the 49ers. I, I want to know your take, Landon. Is this something that could be crippling to the Cowboys franchise moving forward, or do you don't, or is it not that big of a deal? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it depends. Like, I think if you have a situation like the 49ers where you have all this money spent on running backs who are going to play for you, then yeah, it's problematic. But if you're spending money on a guy who is consistently good every single time he's on the field, doesn't get hurt, uh, and you know what you're getting when he's on the field and that and provides a level of stability and consistency across the, the game, whether it's running or passing or pass blocking or whatever, then yeah, I think he's worth the not fifteen million, but the twelve point eight million that he signed for a year. Uh, I, you know, look, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, here's here's and this is. I, I'm going to take the bait, okay? I understand what you're trying to do to me here, and I'm going to go ahead and take the bait here. Uh, the problem is that the parameters of the nerds' complaints have gotten wildly out of control. No. Yes, we're the not problem over. is that <laughs> there is value in the argument, and I completely, you know, stand by and I'm interested in continuing to have the conversation about the argument about how much effect a how do I phrase this? How much of an effect the the quality of your running back actually has on the quality of your offense? 
Well, and I think this is a, a good thing that Daniel Houston, our friend yes. at Cowboys Tats, brings up. He, he He's never said that Zeke is a bad running back or Zeke's not an elite running back. It's just it's so hard to judge. We don't have any metrics really that judge which running backs are, are great and which ones are bad because all the stats that we have are based on a lot of different things, including your offensive line, your quarterback play, your formations, your personnel, the defenses that you're going against. And that's that's kind of been the point of quote unquote the nerves is we just have a hard time figuring out which running backs actually matter so that's why they say running backs don't matter because we can't figure out which ones do well beyond that too i think there is some value to the idea that you know running the ball that your investment in a running back causes you to maybe lean into poor play calling uh, because yes. because of you know value invested in that position blah blah blah. I, I think there's that's I, what I'm I, curious to see if it's going to change. This I, year I think that there's interesting watch. arguments there. I I agree, I agree there, but the problem is is that that argument has gotten out of the box. You know, it, 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 the, the the information point supports X, but X has been expound expounded on like in such a way that now it's it's gotten to no running backs matter and uh, you know don't pay you can't paying Ezekiel Elliott is 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 moronic like I I really I believe in analytics I, I I really do and I support the people that that you know are diving into it I find it fascinating. What's troubling is that they are taking on the personality of their oppressors, <laughs> and they've, sure. they've got Stockholm syndrome now, and the they've the the, the bullied have are becoming the bullies. Where you know they've been told all their lives, shut up, tape is the ultimate thing, or you know watch the tape, watch the, you know, and and, I, and now you mm. see them spouting that you know angrily is like you know for any Very response on anything. It's like yeah. oh, watch the tape. This is it, the it, tape doesn't lie but, or but whatever. Yep. It, but it's it's to sit there and argue that the tape has no value, or that you know that your own eyes can't tell you that Ezekiel Elliott is a special running back. Like are, are you, anytime that you're making a statistical argument that Ezekiel Elliott isn't a, you can argue what what a what a special running back does for the team. You can make that argument, and I'll listen to you. But to sit there and argue. That, be, that Ezekiel Elliott to try to you know find the right analytics to make the argument that Ezekiel Elliott isn't special when I can sit and watch him be special, like, come on guys, what are we doing here? Yeah, so the, the, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, you are you are right about the tape, right? So that's one of the things that I hate to call them the nerds, but that's really what we are, right? <laughs> I love the nerd. I'm a nerd, man. But I, right. like, it's got to be both. Kind of you have to use both, man. <laughs> that's the problem. Right. Right. So, listen, th- this is the way this argument should go. I agree that, above everything else, tape matters, right? That's what we love to do. We love on Monday night when the All-22 comes out, you and I both sit there and watch every single play multiple times. We love that. But what analytics people are trying to tell us is that the tape can lie. You, Your biases can affect you, what you think of a player or what you think of a team, right? And I understand that. Absolutely. I, I fully absolutely. That is absolutely right. true. That, that's what the analytic people should be trying to say. The, you're right, though. It's gone too far the other way where it's, hey, don't watch the tape. These are the numbers, blah, blah, well, blah, they, blah. Well, they, they get the, – the, the argument – the original argument that nerds would make – and I love that we're just calling them nerds – is that – is fine. that tape watchers are too myopic on tape and that they aren't able to see the larger picture that can be seen with 
statistical analysis, which is what analytics is. It's not stats. It's analyzing the the, the numbers. It's it's analyzing right. them on a large scale and then finding consistent information. The problem is is that. They've so, and uh, uh, let me be clear. I sh- I'm not lumping everyone into this because not everyone should be lumped into this. There is a good portion, and Daniel's uh, obviously a great example of someone who's not this way. Who's Daniel's very clear-eyed about the stuff, and there's a lot of other people like Daniel that are reasonable to this and, and and want to kind of reach out to the sides because they realize that both sides need to work together to get a clear picture. Mm-hmm. But the problem is is that now there are people on the on the nerd side that are acting like the tape only folks. They're acting like, oh just look at the I mean they're not quite they're stopping just short of saying don't watch the games, but they you know like everything but is just like watch them on the spreadsheet. Ignore your eyes. Ignore your lying yeah. eyes and, and just believe what this these this number these numbers say. And, like I'm just not gonna do that. Like I, right. that's that's just I, I've been I've been my eyes have been too right too many times. I, I guess I, I hate to brag like that, but it's like it's humble brag. I, humble brag it is what it is. Like I I, I trust my eyes because I haven't they haven't really led me wrong a ton, you know. So I that's fair. I, I, I think so, that's a fair thing for me to do, and I, for for the people to, to like tell other people to like not the, the tape lies constantly. Well, yeah, the numbers lie all the time too because you're lying with them. You know, it's sure. like it's like it's it's like when you suggest that EP, you know, you you present EPA as a end all be all number for running backs when it's a terrible number to measure running backs by. It's it's that sort of thing. So I I think we just all should be wary that there is no silver bullet. We should be using a combination of these tools to figure out what 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 how well people are playing or whether what level of elite players are that sort of thing. I, I absolutely agree. Um. We have a couple minutes left on the show, and I just want to kind of get out all my running back takes, but this will be the last time we do that for the season, okay? But just really quickly, this has been my stance on the running back situation involving Ezekiel Elliott for the last couple of years, and please tell me where I, where I messed up, Landon. Um, I have always been of the belief that Ezekiel Elliott is a real— Elite running back. Well, not always of the belief. It took me a little bit in the 2016 draft. I remember you and Joey kind of cussing me out because I like Derrick Henry a little bit more. But that's that's beside the point, right? In terms of what we've seen from Elliott in his three-year career in Dallas, I don't think 95% of people would, would tell you that Ezekiel Elliott is an elite special running back. And I would agree. My problem has always been I don't know necessarily how you measure – how much better an elite running back is than a replaceable one. There's a lot of instances that we've seen over the last five years where an elite running back has gone down or perceived elite running back like Todd Gurley, and then only to be replaced by a replaceable running back like CJ Anderson. And the stats are very similar. That's always where I've, where I've struggled, right? Is to figure out how much more valuable is an Ezekiel Elliott over an Alfred Morris. You can say it's, you know, a couple wins a season. You could say it's a couple points per game. I, I, I don't know the answer. So, therefore, I've always kind of defaulted to if I can't figure out the difference, I'm just going to go with the belief of just not paying that position until I can figure out what the difference is. So, that's why I've always said don't pay, don't pay your running back. Invest in your passing game, blah, 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 blah. Now that the Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott signed, it's not worth rehashing this every single day on the podcast or on Twitter. So I'm at peace with it. I don't I don't agree with the Cowboys' decision to pay Elliott, but I'm hoping it works out for them. I'm hoping that he rushes for a million yards against the Giants, uh, and I'm hoping that the contract uh, is beneficial to the team. Any kind of thoughts on that overall blanket statement there, Liam? I understand. Like, I mean, I, I get it. That it's not like an easy to quantify, tangible, you know. 
way to to quantify the value of a running back. I think there are multiple factors here. One is that all, not all running backs are the same. They don't have the same sure. playing style. They, they they don't have games that contribute. Like running backs contribute to their teams in different ways. Christian McCaffrey brings more uh, brings different things to the, his team than Ezekiel Elliott brings to his team. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think some things that are good about some of these top end running backs are hard to statistically measure value for, including versatility, uh, the ability to disguise things pre-snap based on what your running back is able to do. Um, and, and then I think that there are other things, too, that are, are difficult to quantify as well. And that, and, and that is, I mean, I think they've done a good job of quantifying uh, uh, elusiveness by measuring yards before and after contact. I think they, some of those things are, are really well done. But I also think it's difficult to, you know, necessarily measure the pre-game effect that having a, a good player on your team has, right? Like have like this the, the strategic effect of having an Ezekiel Elliott in your in your on your roster when the defensive coordinator is game planning that week. Um, sure. I think those things matter and I think that I think having uh, you know, I think doing large-scale studies of these guys when there's so many differing variables including scheme Player, player type, game type. You know, I think there's so many variables that I think we need to recognize that that doing these large scale measurements of these players when there's so many like non, you know, you, you want to have a control when you do measurement, right? And and the control right. is a lot stronger in baseball and in basketball than it is in football. There's a lot more variables there. So uh, I, I think I just think that. You know, it, it makes it kind of can skew the, the the overall measurement of what we're trying to to just scrape off of the information off of, and I, I think that that's why running backs specifically is so difficult because it, a lot of what they do it has an effect on on the team that's that's not as easily measurable. I guess is the best way to say. I think that's a really fair point and argument right there. It's, it is hard to figure out exactly the, the value of the, these players. But listen, when we get to a fourth quarter of a big game against like the New Orleans Saints, you know, in the back of my mind, for somebody who even devalues running backs, I'll even admit it's going to be nice to have Ezekiel Elliott there in the fourth quarter grinding out yards for you. So it's just one of these things where I think – We've moved the ball in the right direction a little bit in talking about analytics and running backs and their value. Uh, we still have a long ways to go before we can, you know, do a better job of deciding these values. Uh, but you know, overall, I, I'm I'm fine with it. It's it's no big deal. The Cowboys. It's not going to be crippling to the franchise. The Cowboys have proven over the last I don't know ten years that they know how to manage the salary cap. They know how to draft and you know fill in. Uh, spots where they're not spending a lot of money, they're going to be okay. I, I think there's a lot of other fans out there that are worried that the Cowboys won't sign Dak and Amari and you know some of those other guys. I'm not worried about that at all. They have a fantastic front office. Uh, it's just it's nice to get this done before the season, so we have no distractions when they take on the Giants in Week One. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning up, tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. 
and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time. <laughs>